Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another exciting episode of Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that we are currently in. It has been said many times, uh, especially on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we could be playing, that we could be spending our hobby dollars on or our hobby time. And it's often hard to know where to look or what to play next. Uh, and so that's sort of the, 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 the MO of this podcast, is to really explore um, new events in the gaming industry, to talk about games that my guests and I have really enjoyed playing, and just, you know, talk to some interesting folks. And one of the things that I absolutely love doing on this podcast is talking to folks who run events, because events really are sort of the lifeblood and the, the sort of... Um, the tool in which a lot of games grow. It's, it's that community. It's the reason that we play games, is to get together with other people and have fun. And when you have an event, you're guaranteed to go play some games, guaranteed games. You're not going to show up at a shop and no one's going to be there. And, you know, everyone will have the same game you do. And it's usually the thing that inspires a lot of us to do our hobby. And that is what we're going to talk about today. In fact, we're going to talk to some of the people who are running an event that is A one I've been to in the past and love, and B, our old friends of the show. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Uh, we have three of them this week, so it's going to be a whole panel of talking heads, and it's going to take all of our willpower not to talk over one another on Skype, especially since none of us are even near one another. Now, adding insult to injury, this may be the first time on Cast Dice that we have four guests two of whom have the same name, and the other two have the same name. So, my name is Brad, and I would like to welcome to Cast Dice, Brad, the TO of the upcoming Bolt Action Grand Tournament. Brad, welcome to Cast Dice. Thank you, Brad. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Man, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of confusion today. Um, and adding insult to injury, uh, growing up, I was often called Matt by people who didn't know me. Uh, and our other two guests today are called Matt. Um, now, the first Matt is an old personal friend of mine, someone who I've known for a million years, and is the owner and proprietor of the fine Hall of Heroes shop in Sydney, um, host of the Grand Tournament itself. Matt, welcome back. G'day, Brad. Always a pleasure to talk good to you, to brother. Back. Yeah, no, it's been a long time. It's been good. It's good to be back. That's right. That's right. And with you is Matt. Now, Matt, you are uh, like Matt and I, and I'm not sure if you are too, Brad, but we are all XGW in one form or another, and your bona fides are uh, not bad, if I may say so, if, I, if I've heard correctly. And you are the terrain maker extraordinaire for this year's Bolt Action Grand Tournament. Welcome to Cast Ice. Guilty as charged. Thank you very much. Um, why don't we start with you? How, your terrain, um, just from the things I've heard about and the few little happy snaps I've taken uh, or I've seen, is pretty damn special. So, Matt, tell us, um, how did you come to build terrain? And sort of what's your... When I mentioned your bona fides, what am I talking about? Okay. Um, I, I started a long, long time ago uh, with Games Workshop. And uh, I think I, I found my niche pretty quickly in that uh, I, could, I could make terrain. 
uh, we had a game stay coming up, the first game stay in Australia. Mm-hmm. So uh, I jumped in and did a lot of terrain in a very short amount of time. Uh, and and from there, that point on, I kind of got <laughs> got stuck with with that as as uh, you know my superpower at Games Workshop. Nice. So that 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 kept me going through the studio, uh, through White Dwarf, all of that kind of stuff. Nice. So you must have, uh, we must have mutual friends in the form of Brian Cook and Dave Taylor, I'm assuming? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I've worked with both. So, yes. Yeah, there you go. Right on. Welcome, as I said. Um, now, Matt, Matt Reichard, uh, my old buddy from GW Days, who now runs Hall of Heroes. Uh, you came on, what, a year ago to talk about the last time you had a GT. Um, how did it go? How are things? How's the shop? Because you have one of the shops that I love to uh, support, even though you're in another major capital city in Australia, uh, because you do a lot with the community, you have great terrain, and you carry a wonderful stock level in your shop. Yes, guilty as charged as well. So, um, no, look, I think the tournament went really well last year. Um, I must say, we, we probably, I think we had 26 players. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't break any records and this year, uh, the date was sort of in the back of my mind. I thought, you know, sometime in May, we do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when I went to CanCon in January that several people actually asked me, you know, to confirm the date and when it was happening again this year. So it gave me, um, it was a good lift for me because all of a sudden I thought people were actually interested in doing the event again. And I think, you know, over the years, the event will grow. So I was actually pretty excited. So nice. we've locked the date in this year for the 25th and 26th of May. Um, and uh, now the challenge of making all the uh, required terrain begins. Nice. Right on. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the pictures of that because I, as I mentioned on the last podcast that you were on and we were talking about the GT, um, as far as being at a bolt action event, and I've been to lots, uh, the grand tournament that I went to, I think I can safely say had the best terrain that I'd ever seen in a bolt action event. Not to say that there aren't great tables at other events, but just the overall average was incredibly high. And so if you are just upskilling that with new terrain, um, you know, next level terrain, I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah, no, look, I think it was about two months ago, uh, Matt uh, of the Weaver Variety mm-hmm. uh, came to me and sort of said that he had this vision where he wanted to make uh, terrain that was second to none. And I, I of course, was excited because obviously my shop benefits from that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we set about this, you know, exercise of going, okay, well, we want to provide the best tables. How do we go about doing that? And so we're in that process at the moment. Um, but certainly we've set a reasonably high standard in the past. Um, admittedly, thanks to support from the community, people have always provided tables, which will be required again this year. But we want to make sure that what we provide at this tournament is, you know, the best that can possibly be put onto a table. Nice. So we're really excited to present it. Nice. Well, I guess I have a question for you too then as far as um, how you are going to go about doing that because there's always that idea at a tournament where, um, you know, if a lot of people have terrain, but it tends to be terrain you can move around the tabletop, um, scatter terrain, hills, trees, uh, 
buildings, whatever else that you can store easily for later use. But one of the things that I really liked about some of the terrain that I played on at the last GT was it was fixed. There was a there was a town center. There was another board that had a ruined city with a bridge over it. And those tables were absolutely fixed. Um, but it meant that you could have multi uh, you know, multiple level boards with stairs and with ruins um, that was just sensational. It just meant that you know it was a fixed table. When you are designing these tables for the grand, yeah, for the grand tournament this year, do you think you're gonna once again go with a more fixed approach, or are you gonna have sort of modular terrain that you can move around the tabletops? Um, I'm not sure which Matt wants to answer that. Um, Matt Weaver, has that been part of the conversation in the design brief? Uh, it's always been a part of, of what we do. Um, and when I talk to Matt, I want to try and make tables as flexible as possible, right. if, if you can understand. Mm. Um, there are going to be, obviously, in, in, in a lot of the stuff that we do, uh, really well-sculpted or well-designed or well-put-together parts that you know look very cinematic uh, and uh, very you know static, but at the same time, I want to be able to make something that you can go, okay, well, it's a modular table of three pieces. We can you know swap those pieces around. Uh, it still you know retains that that sculpted look or that uh, you know bespoke look, um, but you know it's it gives a, a range of different types of play. You could have mm -hmm. you know your beach on one side and a river on the other, or the river in the middle. You know that nice. kind of thing. Yeah, so you yeah. still get that spectacle appearance, but you also get the practicalities of being able to reposition it depending on the game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like um, everything is, is stuck down and, and will remain so and you know, woe betide anyone that touches it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, like, uh, it's like, no, well, you know, you could move. If I'm designing something, you know, um, if it's like a desert table or a snow table or something like that, you can have it so the buildings can be moved around or the, you know, glacier you know, outcrops could be moved about nice. if that's going to make the game play better. Mm -hmm. Nice. And Matt, is that, uh, Matt Reichard, is that the sort of idea that you are going to be looking for for this? Are you using any of your sort of static, big, gorgeous boards for this event? Or are you looking for um, something that will allow for some tactical diversity? Well, to be honest, it's both and. So, I mean, we're, we're expecting 40 plus for the GT this year. So that means we need to come up with 20 tables. So it'll be a combination of scattered terrain and fixed tables. Uh, mm -hmm. After you stitched me up last year by uh, talking up the, uh, the grey cobblestone table, um, I, I didn't make it uh, in time for last year's GT, but that's oh, now no. fully repaired. Nice. Uh, it's fully repaired and ready to go. And uh, at last calculation has something in the vicinity of about $1,800 worth of uh, foreground buildings on it. But um, yeah, okay. it'll be a combination. It'll be a combination. So. And I'm sorry to sit you up for that, but I, I, that is literally one of my favorite tables of all time in any game system to play on. <laughs> it is sensational. You actually get the feel like like that feeling that you're in Band of Brothers. Um, I still have pictures of that, of my game at your GT on my phone, and that I don't think I have pictures of any of my bolt action stuff from that era, but those that particular game because it just looked so good. Yeah, it had copped a fair hiding over the years, so it had been retired, but it is uh, well and truly going to be out of retirement in time for the GT. So oh, that is great news. That yeah, is great. Back news. in action. Nice. Well, uh, all right. 
so I think it's a, we've kind of been ignoring poor Brad in the background. Hi, Brad. Um, Brad, you are the TO for this year's event. So as tournament organizer, um, I know that you were heavily uh, influenced by Pete West's pack for CanCon. Um, did you decide to go with the whole pack as is? Um, and if so, why? And what was your what are your thoughts about the whole matter? Yeah, I mean, generally we have uh, sided with his pack entirely. Um, we have had some discussion from some members of our community that would actually even like to uh, maybe include theatre lists, one platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to definitely nail that down in the next couple of days, but it'd have to be a good reason for us to change it. I mean, Pete made such a good pack for CanCon. Uh, there was no complaints as far as I could tell. Things ran smoothly. People had a good time. And at the end of the day, it's just about getting your models down there, having a good time without people feeling hard done by. Exactly. And that's one of the great things about Pete Dunn's packs is he was TO for CanCon and WinterCon for so long that he was able to, and he said it on this show many times, that he used WinterCon, which was always the smaller event, as the experimental event where he would try new things, you know, try different point values, try different missions, try different uh, train setups, try, you know, theater selectors or not theater selectors. And he would make the big choices. And then for CanCon, it would be hard, fast, and it would be ready to go. I mean, there was never any experimentation. He knew what he was doing and because he'd trial run it six months before and he was ready. And so if you're going to use that kind of preparation, you know, you can't go wrong. Yeah, well, we're looking at trying to run maybe monthly one days, which is where we can get a little bit wacky, try out some of our own missions, try totally. out some new packs ourselves, maybe to try and, you know, create a bit of a, a flavor for our store. But for this GT, you know, um, Tried and true is probably best. It's not the time to try and break the mold. Just um, get people in there, have two days of fun. So nice. Well, let's talk about the with the event then. Is it five five games over two days? That's correct. Yeah, three on day one and two on day two. So tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they rock up on the day. For those who maybe who are interested in coming but didn't go to CanCon this year. The CanCon. Um, so what, how many points are we talking? Are oh. there restrictions? What kind of things are you thinking at this point? Uh, that's right. So it's a thousand points. Um, at the moment we have a bit of a soft cap of 15 order dice. Mm-hmm. Um, just a bit of a worry about some of, um, some of the spam lists, bit of people are being a bit concerned about. So again, we just want to nail it down. Eventually that was one addition that we made to Pete's pack. Um, but it's just generally a generic infantry. Um, no tank platoons, no mm-hmm. theater lists, uh, no special characters, any brand of 20, uh, 28 mil Models, go for gold, yeah. basically. Um, apart from that, it is exactly the same as Pete's. Um, what that's going to allow you to do is, you know, particularly for newer players, it's a lot easier to get your head around. You can go onto Easy Army, find your reinforced platoon, make yourself a, a thousand point army. Totally. There's not going to be any other books. You're not going to have to, you know, sit down with some of your friends and nail out, you know, what does this theater selector do? Mm-hmm. What can I do? You can just put your models down pretty much as Warlord kind of wanted you to do and go have a fun game, which is what I liked best about Pete to Pack is yeah. unfortunately I wasn't able to go with work, but I was you know, brewing lists three, four, five within an hour's time because it's so easy. I'm not having to think beyond mm-hmm. what type of things would I want in my list. Absolutely. 
Yeah, pizza lists are great for that. Um, sorry, pizza events um, really do yes. open up for just general good general listing where you kind of know what you're going to get, um, but where you still get the creativity to really get some fun armies on the table, um, which I've always I've always really liked, um, and I loved when I went to Pete's uh, events. The now I, something you said in there about spam lists. There were some people that were talking about some of the lists at CanCon this year or previous years, and they. You know, sometimes um, people see a list or hear of a list, and then people talk about it. Sometimes those lists don't even exist. Um, and so I've actually been really thinking a lot about what makes Australia's biggest uh, bolt action event and sort of the, the numbers within it. And I know some podcasts have gone into other game systems. I'm thinking of the Honest Wargamer, for example, with Age of Sigmar, and really going yeah. in and digging through lists and giving you actual analytical numbers, hard facts. How many, or, you know, how many of this particular type of unit, how many of this, how many of this army type in an event, how did it do? Um, and I'm going to be doing a unit analysis slash army analysis slash just analysis of general of this year's CanCon event. Um, I've been a little busy at work and haven't had time to actually record it yet, but I'm planning to do it in the next couple of weeks. So uh, for those wondering, uh, it may be a good thing to listen to before going to the GT because uh, it might give you an idea of what did do well um, or, you know, what kind of list did go using that pack to CanCon. So anyway, um, that's a little self-promotion in the middle of other promotions. Um, but Matt, I have to ask, Mr. Weaver... Um, yes. you, are you a bolt action player yourself or is this sort of your first foray into World War II? Uh, yeah, this is my first foray into World War II in wargaming terms. Uh, I had, had, had an aborted run when, um, I was doing, uh, I, I started doing a, a Flames of War mm -hmm. German art. And then I got the guilts yep. <laughs> because my grandfather served in World War II. Yep, that <laughs> I happens. Putting together, an army, putting together an army of the enemy. So I, I kind of stopped that. But, um, yeah, this is, this is the first time that uh, I've, I've done a like, dedicated uh, work for bolt action. Nice. And I guess I have to ask, I'm assuming your uh, grandfather then was um, Commonwealth Forces? <laughs> yeah, he was a Ratatouille. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there you go. So are you thinking about um, putting together a force that your grandfather could be in, or is that a little too close to home? Um, it, it would be cool. Uh, it, it's it's not in my wheelhouse just yet. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of focused on uh, on, on making making the scenery, terrain, and stuff like that. So that's, nice. that's, that's where I get most of my juice from. There you go. All right. I was going to say, this could get really awkward because my uh, my grandfather's brother was on the opposite side oh i just realized this could get quite adventurous for us <laughs> yeah like, uh, and the podcast suddenly got awkward uh, it just it just got awkward no, no 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 my grandfather had tons of really funny stories about the germans and the italians so he had lots of respect for them and um yeah there was there was some friendly argy-bargy amongst some of the battles all right, yeah, you, you, you can't just drop that and not share one. So come on, I'll let you. I'll let uh, Matt Reichard get you know say a few things, and then I'm going to come back to you, Mr. Weaver. And I want I want an anecdotal story, you know, third hand removed. Uh, 
I, I have a really good one, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, no, my, great, my great uncle Paul was a short ass. He was five foot two, so they put him in a tank. So he served in North Africa um, in a tank division. So, but um, yes, not on the not on the winning side. It was fair to say. Ooh. Not on the winning side. Nice. There you go. Well, you know, um, that's one of the things about World War II. After the war, people went all over the place, and then all of a sudden, when we look back at history, we think, oh, oh yeah, that. They may not have been on the side, Um, which, as we just discovered, can occasionally lead to funny uh, podcast conversations. Mr. Weaver, what is your story? Oh, goodness. Um, Okay, well, there was uh, probably the funniest one is uh, this is after the siege of Tripoli, but before Al Alamein. Uh, My grandfather was part of the convoy, and... um, the convoy was, uh, I believe, traveling west of Cairo, mm-hmm. uh, and it was in contested country. And um, uh, there was a, a diversion up ahead. Uh, they had uh, intelligence officers up there uh, diverting traffic. So they split the convoy, one, one taking uh, a, a path to the left and the other one taking a path to the right mm-hmm. uh, because they were worried about the convoy being captured as a whole mm-hmm. by the Germans because the Germans were basically scavenging what they could and capturing fuel, which was important. So um, they, they, they separated. Uh, my grandfather got tapped to go one direction and you know, some of his mates got tapped to go the other direction. And uh, when they got to the destination, uh half the convoy was missing because they weren't British intelligence officers. They are actually German intelligence officers. Oh, no. And uh, they captured half the convoy. Oh. <laughs> well, they say only got half the convoy. Yeah, but they let them go. They let the men go after they took all of the resources. So that's, oh. They weren't taking prisoners, and they, were, they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, you know, give mm-hmm. any uh, casualties. It was just like, oh, well, hand it all over, boys. And they just <laughs> marched back. <laughs> oh man those brandenburgers get you every time <laughs> yeah all right mr reichard uh same question sort of in your general direction uh are you playing this year and if so are you playing your americans i am planning to play uh <laughs> i say this Yes, mm. with uh, uncertainty because work tends to take control. But mm. no, my intention is to play. I really want to play with something different. I've got my DAC to fall back on, mm-hmm. but um, I'm thinking US paratroopers might see their way through to the table. So nice. I have, to, I have to add to the list somewhat. So we'll see how we go. Yeah. Yeah, man, I hear you. It's uh, it's hard to pick sometimes when you're looking looking at it. And I know Brad was just talking a minute ago when you think about going to an event um, that does have those sort of open slather, take you know a generalist list. It's all of a sudden, oh God, there's too many options. At least if you're playing in one of those narrow events within a particular theater or time frame, it narrows the field, and you go, okay, I'll take this. That's fine. But when you you know. I have uh, a couple of painted bullet action armies, and I know you gentlemen do as well, or at least have access to. So all of a sudden you go, oh, God, what am I going to play today? What do I feel like? Is it going to be steak, or is it going to be chicken, or is it going to be fish? What's it going to be? Okay, well, let's talk for a second about, I mean, it sounds like you have a few ideas that you're kicking around. So you don't have a solid 
idea of your total finished player pack. I mean, you're going to use Pete West pack for a start, but it sounds like you have a couple of ideas. So maybe we could talk about that. Um, what what sort of changes are you thinking about making? You mentioned theater selectors. You mentioned single platoon. Um, what's go, what's going on there? Yeah, it's just um, a few ideas that have been bouncing around. A few in our local community have uh, mentioned that they'd prefer a single single reinforced list. Um, a, a few customers have been listening to uh, an alternate podcast, let's say, um, oh. that is pushing a, a, different, <laughs> a different style of gaming to what, um, don't get me wrong, I want people to come and have, you know, close games, competitive games. You're there to, you know, try and win, but not at the expense of your opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the theme, to be honest, of what the game is really about, which it seems like funds the secondary, not the primary for some of these players. So it was just, they'd heard that potentially, you know, they could run two or three Neville Werfers, a bunch of Mortars, because we hadn't limited the amount of platoons, which um, could be interesting for a narrative game with your friends. Maybe not so much if you're, you've bought your, your intro pack, you come for a game with your, you know, your medium machine guns and they get blown off the table turn one and you're kind of looking around with your two dice left in the bag. Now, can I, can I ask this, this alternative podcast you speak of, if you're speaking about yes. multiple artillery pieces and multiple yes. mortars and lots of HE, I'm going to guess like it's Stalin grad list. Uh, oh, okay. That, that tells, well, maybe there's, there's two possibilities that I'm, I'm thinking of right off the bat. Um, there's the Scottish possibility and there's the yes. English possibility. Um, can you hint at which flavor we, are we talking Topher? Are we talking, uh, <laughs> are we talking the juggernaut or are we talking bolt action HQ? We're, we're, we are in fact, uh, yes, uh, the Topher and the lads, um, yeah. you know, seem like they're very committed to their style of gaming. The, their club, I guess, has embraced that, which it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's nothing wrong if that's what you and your friends decide to do Absolutely. within the club. But obviously when you come into an event with other people, um, you know, like any interaction, you know, maybe at home you cuss and carry on, but when you go out to public, maybe act a slightly different way, which um, is what we're a bit worried that some of these people, you know, they, they hear from what are now leaders and voices in the community saying, go for gold, bring whatever you like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a competitive event, win at all costs. Yeah. Look, so. um, if if I may, and um, I, uh, Mr. Reichard, do you mind if I pull out the old uh, soapbox? I haven't stepped on it in quite a while. It's. <laughs> do you mind if I dust that out a little bit? I step on up. Have oh, fun. Here we go. All right. So <laughs> you heard it, kids. He said I can do this. Um, so, okay. Uh, there is an idea. That I, I I agree with exactly what you're saying, Brad. That I, I I personally believe that you need to bring a list that a. I mean, you want to play to you want to play this maybe not to quote unquote win white line fever. You know, stabby stabby everyone to get to the to to the top. You don't want to be the rat in the barrel who's the last one standing in that situation. It just it just it leads to a lot of feel badsies on the tabletop. You want, as you say, your opponent to have a good time. And at least that's my personal philosophy. But having spent a lot of time talking to the Scottish lads on Home Guard Radio, Al Unicom, old friend of the show, old personal friend of both Mr. Reichard and I, um, he and I... I Sorry, what? I was just saying, yeah, Al and I go way back, yep. Absolutely. 
Um, he's, you know, he's bolt action family. It's what we do. But we come from very different wings of that family. And what's appropriately in Scotland is not appropriate here and vice versa. So it comes down to an element of cultural uh, awareness. I know that when I first started playing bolt action, um, it was the with the LRDG guys, the guys who became the LRDG. I was playing with, you know, Dave of War. I was playing with the Mouth of Madness. I was playing with Warlord Tobu. And we played nonstop. And we were constantly buying things to add to our armies. And we were constantly building additional things and adding them to our armies to beat the other ones. Um, and so very quickly, we developed what I at one point termed a closed circuit arms race. And so we played like that for six, seven, eight months because that was our environment. It was it was like the club that perhaps the juggernauts are playing out of. And it was, you know, I'm not sure how they play. I've never been there. I've only spoken with some of the people who play there. But the culture there is maybe a little less historically minded and a little more aggressive um, minded. And again, that's totally fine. That's how they like to play. And it doesn't, it, I don't agree with it. It's not how I like to roll, but I've definitely been that guy. But the first time I stepped out into the broader bolt action community, especially in Australia, I was shocked at what, I saw on the table versus what was in my army. I had a flame tank in version one, um, which was, you know, the devil. Uh, I mean, it was, and I had, I mean, I won't even get into what I had. It was ridiculous. Um, And I thought I'd toned down my list. And so by the time I got to my second bolt action, sort of broader event um, outside of Melbourne, and I got to the original Bolt Action Grand Tournament at your fine shop, I had toned my list way down and had gone to a lot more effort to historically theming my list. And I had a much more enjoyable experience. Um, At least, you know, I I enjoyed my first event. I met Patch, I met Anthony, I met all these people who later became, um, you know, big names in the bolt action community but i um i felt really guilty about my list and i and that really took away from my enjoyment um because i didn't match the people who were playing at that event but when i did come for the next event for the gt and i took a more historically themed list a i had a wonderful time finding out the history and actually building a force to it but b I had a. I felt like I was actually playing on the same field um, with my opponent, and it, it led to close, tense, awesome, fun games. And so, again, I think it comes down to context. And in the context of the Sydney scene, in the context of Hall of Heroes, in the context of the Bolt Action Grand Tournament, I'm not sure that we need to be applying the juggernaut ethos and i'm not sure who's mugging their dog in the background but it sounds like someone's breathing really heavily and or wrestling some sort of mammal in the background while i'm talking i don't know if that's skype anyway guys yeah that um if that wasn't me okay it wasn't me okay thank you skype i'll i'll type the blame okay there you go um if you are thinking about going guns out. 
I want you to really take a second and think about the people you're going to be playing against. And if you're going to win the big trophy, and I know this is going to sound like a... Play to have fun. Play, yes, play to win. But play on the same field. Play the same sport as the people around you. The, The Australian scene has taken great pains and great lengths over the years to not quote-unquote limit ourselves it isn't that we are playing out of you know oh we're gonna go handicap ourselves and we're gonna drink tea and have our crumpets and no it is very much people play seriously i think some of the international community looks at some of the australians and go oh you know you guys don't play for reals i guarantee you that the top players in australia represent and i know that because dave of war went to fall in and smashed face and that was a big u.s event back in the day so australia holds its own but we like to play a different flavor so think about the flavor you are gonna bring to the table before you come to a bolt action event at hall of heroes soapbox off what do we think guys a little over the top mr reichard not at all. All right, cool. Sweet. So, uh, Brad, does that sort of... I was, I was quite frankly disappointed. I thought you could rage up far more than that. Uh, used to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ret- I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> yes. Um, Brad, does that uh, sort of echo what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, that that is definitely cuts to the heart of it. And I mean, if you're the type of player that's worked out how to, you know, ring, the, you know, the 2% more out of a list generally you're going to be a better player regardless of what you're bringing anyway. So why not, you know, tone down the list, win with what you'd consider a suboptimal list, and then you can pat yourself on the back even harder. Exactly. If I can quote Judson, sort of the the old school Jesus of bolt action, um, if I may, you found HE, slow golf clap. Nicely done. (laughs) Yeah. How about you actually toughen up and leave this like multiple snipers, multiple artillery pieces, the multiple, you know, things that go, you know, whatever is the new hotness. Why don't you dial it down? Um, you know, one of the biggest achievements of my wargaming career was winning CanCon with a list in version one that was filled with open topped armored vehicles that mm-hmm. were way overcosted at the time. People looked at my list and said, you cannot win with that. And then I did. That does take skill. Sorry, what's that? That's it. I just said that does take skill. <laughs> it, take, it takes a Look, I may have, I played that list hard, but <laughs> it was, it, it, it was a, and look, part of that was luck, part of that was skill, whatever. I don't want to toot my own horn. The idea here is, though, that you don't have to take something that's going to curb stomp someone and really, you know, cause your opponent to go into conniptions and or mm. up, you know, it, it's, it's a scene. It's a culture. Adapt to your culture. Anyway, I, I, I think I need to stop talking about this. Mr. Weaver, um, you're uh, sitting in the corner wondering what the hell you stepped into. Um, <laughs> welcome to World War II gaming. Um, what's, no, no, that's okay. It's okay. What sort of uh, table ideas do you have for the GT? What sort of things can we look forward to? Because I know I talked up the terrain last time, and I want to make Matt Reichard sweat. <laughs> okay, oh. yeah, I did, I did actually listen to the, 
<laughs> I know. I listened to the podcast last time, and I was like, oh, wow, this is so fun. Um, look, I want to try and keep it one uh, possible and and to achievable because at the end of the day, it, it's it's me down in the workshop going nuts. Yeah, so that'll be conversations that you know, planning conversations that that Matt and Matt Reichart and I have to have to make, and uh, you know, to make sure that you know the Fifth Raven can do this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm not talking the third person. The Fifth Raven is 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 the the kind of uh, the the company that we've set up to, to handle. Um, making this and doing the commission work that we do as well, so uh, so we can separate and uh, yeah, show show off to, to the community what it is we do. Fantastic. So, what kind of commission work are you looking to do? I know you're going to be doing some work, obviously, for the GT and for Hall of Heroes, but it sounds like you'll be available for other commissions as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and and we've been taking on commission work. You know, since October last year, mm-hmm. um, and and earlier, we've uh, so so it's it's whatever the the, the people that approach us, uh, whatever's in their wildest imaginations. Nice. Um, we've done stuff, you know, like uh, boabab trees. Um, there's been Star Wars tables. There's been uh, a lot of the stuff that we've done for the Hall of Heroes, the Infinity Table work. Um, as well as, um, yeah, you know, just just little little jobs here and there, you know, just to do filler terrain and, and Dungeons and Dragons terrain, even. Nice. So, yeah, it's 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 whatever you know people want, and uh, if we can do it, we'll take it on. That's awesome. And so, what you guys are talking about, though, at the moment, is a forty-ish person event. So, Matt, I know that that's sort of reaching the upper ends of your shop's capacity, but I also know that you have some new digs and you can expand out. Do you need to know numbers in advance if you're going to need to expand out? How, how does that work? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, the arcade we're currently located in is attached to the RSL in Campbelltown, and nice. the RSL has some really good facilities um, but obviously, the sooner we know, the sooner we can book those. So at the moment, we've got a tentative booking because our capacity in shop, look, really is 30. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have, we can and have done 40 players on 6x4s, but mm-hmm. that does start to push the limits. Um, so anything beyond 40, um, we'll be moving to the facilities in the RSL. Um, but obviously, the sooner we know, the sooner we can lock that down. Got so it. the tickets are available for sale now, um, both through the shop and through the external ticketing site called Eventbrite. Um, so the sooner people can lock in, the the sooner we know whether we need to move to that RSL venue or not. Nice. And how much is it? And I mean, how can people get? So you've mentioned the website, but can they get the tickets through your store as well? They can indeed. So they can get it through Eventbrite. Um, so if they just look for, you know, Bolt Action Grand Tournament 2019, they'll find it. Um, their tickets are $40. Mm-hmm. If they book through Eventbrite, there is a fee of a couple of dollars on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they can contact the shop. They can pay through PayPal. They can pay by credit card. They can pay across the counter. They can pay by direct deposit. So um, it's very, very easy. So 
uh, and obviously if they pay through shop, uh, the, the extra couple of dollars doesn't get charged on top. So nice. sooner we know, the, the sooner we lock down the venue. Nice. And have you started selling tickets yet? Uh, we've sold a couple so far, but uh, mm-hmm. early days, but um, hopefully that'll that'll change in the near future. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. I mean, it is, as you say, <laughs> pretty far away. But uh, yeah. as you say, you had, what, almost 30 players last year? And with the number of people who I've talked to about coming back, it sounds like you're going to easily pass that. Yeah, look, we're hoping the sooner we, if we can lock in the 40 by early April, then mm-hmm. we'll lock in the venue and the venue gives us a capacity up to 80. So um, nice. at that point, we're, we're looking pretty. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, man, I wish I could make it. I, I, I can't at that point of the school year, but God, I had such a good time the last time. And I know I said it last time, but the GT is really one of those special events with just, it's a great, it's just a great feel. And it's what people. It's the people that go to it that really make it special. And I'm just, I'm so jealous that uh, you guys are back up and running and, uh, you know, all that wonderful terrain and just the culture is just going to be running again. I'm just, I'm glad to hear it's it's back and it's staying and it's consistent and it's annual. And yeah, it's just going to be one of those events on the calendar that comes back every year and is just awesome. So thank you again for running that, Matt, because um, I know for a couple of years it didn't go and I'm glad it's back. Uh, it's back and it's here to stay, so it'll be the end of May. Year in, year out is the current plan. Excellent. Excellent. Well, right on. Well, guys, I hate to do this to you, but it is almost that time to go. Um, I may do a round robin of anything that we have not covered yet um, or things that you really want to say, including hi, Mom. So um, if <laughs> when I call your name, uh, just... I'm like the teacher in class. Like, oh God, it's like my day job. Um, Brad, would you like to share with the with our audience uh, anything that you haven't said so far? Uh, no, just thank you so much for allowing us to come on the podcast, mate. Really appreciate it. Anytime, man. Look, I love talking bolt action, and if I can support the Grand Tournament, I will because I absolutely love it. As I said, it is one of the best events I've been to in the bolt action community, and it is just fantastic. And I absolutely cannot recommend more that if you are listening to this and you have the capability of getting to Sydney and getting to that event, I traveled from Melbourne to go. I recommend you do it. So check it out. Mr. Reichard. Yeah, no, hi, mum. <laughs> nice. Appreciate you giving birth to me. Uh, no. You, uh, no, look, in all seriousness, uh, the, the one thing probably is, well, two things really is, A, lock down tickets sooner rather than better so we can lock down the venue mm-hmm. um, and the other thing is if anybody has an opinion either way on theater selection please let us know because uh, at the moment the pack is locked down and on the website and ready to go but if any changes are going to be made the sooner we make that decision the better so uh, please by all means get in contact with um, uh, with the shop um, or Brad via the shop so you know just the events email address it's on the website let us know, get in contact, and uh, and we'll make a decision in the coming weeks. Thank yeah. you very much. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, it, yeah, yeah. Be honest, probably Facebook's easiest, yeah. I mean, it is one of those things that, you know, I'd love to have an open event where everything's open and free, um, but, you know, and hate to, you know, so I know that a lot of my lists don't work in one platoon, only because in order to get some of the weird things that historically happened, sometimes you need multiple yeah. platoons, but if you got a limit, yeah. you got a limit. Um Theater selectors are cool either way, both to have them not and to have them there. Um, 
as we said earlier, I hope that just everyone uh, goes to this event with the uh, with the same great attitude that they have in the past because it, it is, as I said, a really special community. So, yeah. And Mr. Weaver, I am looking forward to seeing pictures of the awesome terrain that I have uh, been seeing for other systems uh, for bolt action. So, are you looking forward to the uh, the World War II shenanigans? Certainly am. Um, uh, just just as an aside uh, with 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 Matt. Uh, and and Brad here, um, the packs that you guys are the theatre that you're running, it is definitely Northern Europe, or or is it? Uh, I mean, generally most people are running Northern Europe, yeah. but I mean, if I have to jump in, uh, <laughs> the old Australians will be coming marching out. Yep. Um, yeah, that's in okay. Because jun jungle uniform in the middle of winter, it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Ski, uh, skis in the desert on your finish always look good too, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, so going back to um, to you, Brad, mm -hmm. uh, podcast, Brad. Yes, sir. Um, way back in uh, September or October last year, Matt tasked me with uh, coming up with designs for uh, some decent and, and, and proper scale for for bolt action bocage. Scenery. Oh yeah. So that, that's what I've been uh, working on. I've got some prototypes here. So we'll be mm. looking at uh, doing up some very, really nice bespoke bacage that will uh, reside in all of yours. Oh, that's amazing. I love a good bocage table. I have some bocage, and it is not amazing. I look forward to seeing a proper good table of bocage in an event. Oh, well, it's got to be so approved good. by Matt first, but yeah. Yeah, that's why we want tanks at home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's how the Allies could have done it in history, but, uh, you know, just drive that Sherman straight through, man. Don't worry about those Panzerfaust. <laughs> sure, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There isn't an 88 hiding in that shrubbery at all, I promise you. <laughs> oh. I mean, I've, I've had the... I've had the time of uh of looking at different different things that the, the germans were doing with defense with bacage and you know there's things like little little um gun emplacements and and you know uh foxholes buried into the bacage so i'm looking at doing versions where you could have that kind of thing uh you know whether the the forces take advantage of that or not it's up to the players but yeah i, I wanted to model some different stuff yeah, that's awesome. I, I literally cannot wait to see that because, A, good bocage tables are second to none. And, B, mm -hmm. it sounds like you've really done your due diligence to make sure that uh, you're going to get some really cool historical little nods in there that, uh, you know, I hate to say the word neckbeards, but those of us who like the history uh, <laughs> will enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And up one here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So yeah. making it a, a, as as so it can be reproduced in in resin or, or foam or something like that as well, so we can mass produce it. All right, stop it. I'm gonna start asking you for your payment details. All right. Um, <clears throat> on that. Don't worry, Brad. You can borrow it for your upcoming tournament. So I'll bring it down to Melbourne. I love you. <laughs> you heard it here You're first. Welcome, Speaking of stitching people up, Matt just stitched himself up. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can feel a new table coming on. 
Um, and on Matt stitching himself up and an 88 in my bocage, I think that is the end of this episode of Cast Dice. Oh, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I know this has been our off day uh, and a fun side topic, but uh, it is always good to talk about events that are coming up and events that have been because it really is just a celebration of the community and culture that we enjoy as gamers. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, we really do appreciate your feedback and everything that, um, I mean, po- as I said, on this show many times, podcasts don't cost anything, but time is money for many of us. And so if you've taken the time to listen to this, I, as the uh, host of this cast, really do appreciate it. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, you can find us on Facebook under Cast Dice. That's C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Uh, and once you find, if you message the Facebook page, you will get one person and only one person, and that is me. So thank you very much to everyone who's given us feedback recently. Uh, look for the CanCon numbers and analysis show, hopefully in the next month. Um, I just need to survive work. But yes. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening. It has been fun as always. And as always, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than any of that, I hope that you had fun. Good night. And that track